Letter fifty three of Clarissa Harlowe or the History of a Young Lady, Volume seven. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe or the History of a Young Lady, Volume seven by Samuel Richardson. Letter fifty three. Mr. Lovelace to John Belford, Esquire. But now I have cleared myself of any intentional levity on occasion of my beloved's meditation, which, as you observe, is finely suited to her case, that is to say, as she and you have drawn her case, I cannot help expressing my pleasure that by one or two verses of it, the arrow-jack, and what she feared being come upon her, I am encouraged to hope, what it will be very surprising to me if it do not happen, that is, in plain English, that the dear creature is in the way to be a mamma. This cursed arrest, because of the ill effects the terror might have had upon her, in that hoped-for circumstance, has concerned me more than on any other account. It would be the pride of my life to prove in this charming frost-piece the triumph of nature over principle, and to have a young Lovelace by such an angel, and then, for its sake, I am confident she will live, and will legitimate it. And what a meritorious little cherub would it be, that should lay an obligation upon both parents before it was born, which neither of them would be able to repay! Could I be sure it is so, I should be out of all pain for her recovery. Pain, I say, since were she to die. Die! Abominable word! How I hate it! I verily think I should be the most miserable man in the world. As for the earnestness she expresses for death, she has found the words ready to her hand in honest Job, else she would not have delivered herself with such strength and vehemence. Her innate piety, as I have more than once observed, will not permit her to shorten her own life, either by violence or neglect. She has a mind too noble for that, and would have done it before now, had she designed any such thing, for to do it like the Roman matron when the mischief is over, and it can serve no end, and when the man, however a Tarquin, as some may think me in this action, is not a Tarquin in power, so that no national point can be made of it, is what she has too much good sense to think of. Then, as I observed in a like case a little while ago, the distress when this was written was strong upon her, and she saw no end of it but all was darkness and apprehension before her. Moreover, has she it not in her power to disappoint, as much as she has been disappointed? Revenge, Jack, has induced many a woman to cherish a life to which grief and despair would otherwise have put an end. And after all, death is no such eligible thing, as Job in his calamities makes it. And a death desired merely from worldly disappointments shows not a right mind, let me tell this lady, whatever she may think of it. You and I, Jack, although not afraid, in the height of passion or resentment, to rush into those dangers which might be followed by a sudden and violent death, whenever a point of honour calls upon us, would shudder at his cool and deliberate approach in a lingering sickness which had debilitated the spirits. So we read of a famous French general, I forget as well the reign of the prince as the name of the man, who, having faced with intrepidity the ghastly varlet on a hundred occasions in the field, was the most dejected of wretches when, Having forfeited his life for treason, he was led with all the cruel parade of preparation and surrounding guards to the scaffold. The poet says well, "'Tis not the stoic lesson got by rote, the pomp of words and pedant dissertation, that can support us in the hour of terror. Books have taught cowards to talk nobly of it, but when the trial comes they start and stand aghast. Very true, for then it is the old man in the fable with his bundle of sticks." The ladies well read in Shakespeare are English pride and glory, and must sometimes reason with herself in his words, so greatly expressed, that the subject, affecting as it is, cannot produce anything greater. I but to die, and go we know not where, to lie in cold obstruction and to rot, this sensible warm motion to become a kneaded clod, 
and the delighted spirit to bathe in fiery floods or to reside in thrilling regions of thick ribbed ice to be imprisoned in the viewless winds or blown with restless violence about the pendant whirls or to be worse than worst of those that lawless and uncertain thought imagines howling tis too horrible the weariest a most loaded worldly life that pain age penury and imprisonment can lay on nature is a paradise to what we fear of death i find by one of thy three letters that my beloved had some account from hickman of my interview with miss howe at colonel ambrose's i had a very agreeable time of it there although severely rallied by several of the assembly it concerns me however not a little to find our affairs so generally known among the flippanti of both sexes it is all her own fault there never surely was such an odd little soul as this not to keep her own secret when the revealing of it could answer no possible good end and when she wants not one would think to raise to herself either pity or friends or to me enemies by the proclamation why jack must not all her own sex laugh in their sleeves at her weakness what would become of the peace of the world if all women should take it into their heads to follow her example what a fine time of it would the heads of families have their wives always filling their ears with their confessions their daughters with theirs sisters would be every day setting their brothers about cutting off throats if the brothers had at heart the honour of their families as it is called and the whole world would either be a scene of confusion or cuckoldom as much the fashion as it is in lithuania in lithuania the women are said to have so allowedly their gallants called adjutores that the husbands hardly ever enter upon any part of pleasure without them i am glad however that miss howe as much as she hates me kept her word with my cousins on their visit to her and with me at the colonel's to endeavour to persuade her friend to make up all matters by matrimony which no doubt is the best nay the only method she can take for her own honour and that of her family i had once thoughts of revenging myself on that vixen and particularly as thou mayest remember had planned something to this purpose on the journey she is going to take which had been talked of some time but i think let me see yet i think i will let the sickman have her safe and entire as thou believest the fellow to be a tolerable sort of a mortal and that i have made the worst of him and i am glad for his own sake he has not launched out too virulently against me to thee but thou seest jack by her refusal of money from him or miss howe that the dear extravagant takes a delight in oddnesses choosing to part with her clothes though for a song dost think she is not a little touched at times i am afraid she is a little spice of that insanity i doubt runs through her that she had in a stronger degree in the first week of my operations her contempt of life her proclamations her refusal of matrimony and now of money from her most intimate friends are sprinklings of this kind and no other way i think to be accounted for her apothecary is a good honest fellow i like him much but the silly dear's harping so continually upon one string dying 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 is what i have no patience with i hope all this melancholy jargon is owing entirely to the way i would have her to be in and it being as new to her as the bible beauties to thee no wonder she knows not what to make of herself and so fancies she is breeding death when the event will turn out quite the contrary thou art a sorry fellow in thy remarks on the education and qualification of smarts and bow of the rakish order if by thy wees and usses thou meanest thyself or me for i pretend to say that the picture has no resemblance of us who have read and conversed as we have done it may indeed and i believe it does resemble the generality of the fops and coxcombs about town but that let them look to for if it affects not me to what purpose thy random shot if indeed thou findest by the new light darted in upon thee since thou hast had the honour of conversing with this admirable creature that the cap fits thy own head why then according to the creek rule e'en take and clap it on 
and I will add a string of bells to it, to complete thee for the forehorse of the idiot team. Although I just now said a kind thing or two for this fellow Hickman, yet I can tell thee, I could, to use one of my noble peer's humble phrases, eat him up without a corn of salt, when I think of his impudence to salute my charmer twice at parting, and have still less patience with the lady herself, for presuming to offer her cheek or lip, thou sayest not which, to him, and to press his clumsy fist between her charming hands, an honour worth a king's ransom, and what I would give, what would I not give, to have, and then he in return to press her, as thou sayest he did, to his stupid heart, at that time no doubt more sensible than ever it was before, by thy description of their parting I see thou wilt be a delicate fellow in time. My mortification in this lady's displeasure will be thy exaltation from her conversation. I envy thee as well for thy opportunities as for thy improvements, and such an impression has thy concluding paragraph made upon me, that I wish I do not get into reformation humour as well as thou. And then what a couple of lamentable puppies shall we make, howling and recitative, to each other's discordant music! Let me improve upon the thought, and imagine that, turned hermits, we have opened the two old caves at Hornsey, or dug new ones, and in each of our cells set up a death's head and an hourglass for objects of contemplation. I have seen such a picture. But then, Jack, had not the old penitent fornicator a suffocating long grey beard? What figures would a couple of brocaded or laced waistcoated toupees make with their sour, screwed-up, half-cocked faces, and more than half-shut eyes, in a kneeling attitude, recapitulating their respective rogueries? This scheme, were we only to make trial of it, and return afterwards to our old ways, might serve to better purpose by far than Horner's and the country wife, to bring the pretty wenches to us. Let me see. The author of Hudibras has somewhere a description that would suit us, when met in one of our caves, and comparing our dismal notes together. This is it. Suppose me described. He sat upon his rump, his head like one in doleful dump, betwixt his knees his hands applied, unto his cheeks on either side, and by him in another hole sat stupid Belford, cheek by jowl. I know thou wilt think me too ludicrous. I think myself so. It is truly, to be ingenuous, a forced put, for my passions are so wound up that I am obliged either to laugh or cry. Like honest drunken Jack Daventry, poor fellow, what an unhappy end was his. Thou knowest I used to observe that whenever he rose from an entertainment, which he never did sober, it was his way, as soon as he got to the door, to look round him like a carrier pigeon just thrown up, in order to spy out his course, and then taking to his heels he would run all the way home, though it were a mile or two, when he could hardly stand, and must have tumbled on his nose if he had attempted to walk moderately. This, then, must be my excuse, in this my unconverted estate, for a conclusion so unworthy of the conclusion to thy third letter. What a length have I run! Thou wilt own that if I pay thee not in quality, I do in quantity, and yet I leave a multitude of things unobserved upon. Indeed, I hardly at this present know what to do with myself but scribble. Tired with Lord M., who in his recovery has played upon me the fable of the nurse, the crying child, and the wolf, tired with my cousins Montague, though charming girls, were they not so near of kin, tired with Mowbray and Tourville and their everlasting identity, tired with the country, tired of myself, longing for what I have not, I must go to town, and there have an interview with the charmer of my soul for desperate diseases must have desperate remedies, and I only wait to know my doom from Miss Howe, and then, if it be rejection, I will try my fate, and receive my sentence at her feet. But I will apprise thee of it beforehand, as I told thee, that thou mayst keep thy parole with the lady in the best manner thou canst. End of letter 53